0: Welcome once again to the Bible Idiots Podcast. I'm Emily Danielson, and it is Wednesday, February 10th, which means we're going to be digging into that long-form teaching once again. And today, Pastor Chris is going to take us into several passages of Scripture in Genesis, in Luke, and in Matthew as well. And I believe there are some other ones in there. I'm actually kind of sure of it. Anyway, he's going to be talking about the four elements that mark the last days. Very interesting, and it's a little bit fast-paced, so you're going to want to pay attention, enjoy, and try to write some of these verses on your heart. Four elements that mark the last days. Here's Pastor Chris.
1: Well, today's going to be one of those days. And I was having a coffee with Chris earlier this week, And they said, is it hard to figure out what to come up with for your sermons? And I'm like, no, the hard part is to figure out what not to bring. There's so much that I want to share on Sunday mornings that, you know, I want to bring a whole buffet table, but all we can really do is eat a plate of food at a time. You know what I'm saying? So today is more of a foundational message. It's a context message. And if you don't have this context, a lot of what you will go forward in end times prophecy and end times discussions will seem to wobble a little bit. So we want to make sure that we have a foundation laid. And that's what we're going to do today with four elements that mark the last days. And I've got three scripture texts that we're going to spring off of because they all weave together. And from there, I will bring some other other scripture to support what we're going to talk about in these four elements. And we're going to start with Genesis chapter 6. And what we'll do is I'll read, I'll read Genesis chapter 6 through 5, 5, verses 5 through 8. And then I'm going to read, read Luke 17 verses 26 through 27. And then I will have you stand for Matthew 24, 32 through 39 as the honoring God's word by standing. But let's start with Genesis 6, 5 through 8 because this is the foundational text in the context that we get going in. And so I read in Jesus' name. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. And so the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let's go to Luke. This is Jesus talking. This is red letters. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And now... The Gospel parallels. You guys know what Gospel parallels are? It's when something is written in Luke, it's written in Matthew, it's written in Mark, it's written in John. Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke have the most parallels. John's a little bit different. But a lot of people believe Jesus taught these things multiple times. In different places he would share these stories. But even if he only shared the story one time, and Matthew wrote it down a little bit different than Mark or Luke did, it's still even that much more legitimate. And so we know that these are Jesus' words. And Matthew 24 is the end times chapter that everybody points to. Because these are the words of our Lord and our our Savior concerning these times. We're going to take a small chunk starting in verse uh, 32. So I'd ask you to stand for the reading of the text today. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as it were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Lord Jesus, let these be your words as we speak to your children now. In your precious, powerful, holy name. Amen. Be seated, please. All right, let's get the context. Make sure you stay focused with me on context today. This is a graphic description in Genesis of the days of Noah. And if you understand what Noah's days were and then you understand Jesus is pointing back to Noah, that it is a very legit thing, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say if Jesus is pointing to it and and Genesis has got it, and I mean it's all throughout the whole discussions, and then you start taking this and you start comparing and contrasting with Daniel, with Zechariah, with... uh, Um, Joel, the book of Joel chapter 2 and you start looking at Revelation and you start piecing it all together what man has a tendency to do is to sit back and say okay, I'm going to figure it all out like it's some sort of you know, x times y equals z equation and it's not that it's understanding what Jesus wanted us to know and what God wants us to know and I'm here to tell you in context it all leads back to how then shall we live how then should we go forward with our lives in the context? See, in the days of Noah, the activities described are just sinful. They're described as you know, a culture where no thought is given to God or the consequences of one's activity. Jesus is teaching us the truth that the last days will resemble the days just prior to the flood which destroyed the world in Noah's day. And I just realized I was going to grab it and bring it up here and show you, but one of the possessions that I have in my office is a little film strip from Schindler's List that's in a frame. And if you guys ever want to watch a storytelling done in an immaculate way, it's Schindler's List. There's two movies I think that you can't really eat popcorn and watch a movie. One's Schindler's List, the other's The Passion of the Christ. But in Schindler's List, there's an example there that is given to us. And at the end of that movie... Oscar Schindler, who, if you don't know the story, just briefly I'll tell you, he did everything he could by creating factories and jobs to try to save Jews to keep them from being put on the the trains to go to their death. He was trying to save the Jewish people, as many of them as he could. So he'd create this factory, he'd create this job, he'd create this illusion of a factory just to keep people from getting on the train. At the end of the movie, he takes his wedding ring, and he looks at his wedding ring, and he says, That could be two more Jews. Everything in his life slowly got to where he would do anything he could to save the lives of the Jews. It was an obsession for him. To where he would even give up his wedding ring if it meant saving a couple more lives. What a portrait of what the Christians should be if we are in fact living in the last days. The Bible tells us that we might be able to discern the times and know when the end is near. Now, do we know the exact day or time? No. Anytime somebody puts out, the Lord's coming back on May 21st. No. Right on, whoever said no. I was going to say step off, but no works. No. No look have you ever seen a green sky ever see ever watched the sky turn green I have twice I mean legitimately green and both times was the onslaught of two of the worst storms I've ever been through in my fifty five and a half years of life see I looked it up I, I searched it online and here's what it says the green color does signify the storm is severe The color is from the water droplets suspended in the storm absorbing red sunlight and radiating green frequencies, whatever that means. Thank you, weather nerd, I appreciate that. But it's legitimate, my eyes didn't deceive me, it was green. Now here's what I know, both times I saw the green sky, there was this eeriness that came just before the wind started and roofs were blown off And it was unbelievable. And Emily and I were very thankful we had cover. We had strong shelter. And today, I want to tell you that there are forces in operation similar to the activities of what was going on in Noah's day. So when the Lord says, just as Noah's day, wake up, pay attention, the skies are green, my friend. There are four elements active now that were active then. These four elements remind us we are in the last days and we have a mission to accomplish before we leave this world. So let's look together at the four elements that mark the last days. Point number one. There's an acceleration of sinfulness. There's an acceleration of sinfulness. The context. There's a lack of spiritual separation if you go back to verse 4 in Genesis 6. God's demand is total separation from false religions and our culture from the extreme demonic left. Yeah, you heard me right. I'm not shying away from that no more. I'm just telling you right now, if we're going to look at what we see as green sky, then we're going to call it green. I'm sick of demonic policies and demonic people being led around as if we can't talk about it because it's politics. I'm here to tell you the sky is green and we have demons running our country right now. And we have to have separation from that. I don't say that. God says that. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. It says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. See, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, we get the lack of moral standards. That's the context now. Context of what God is telling us during these last days, these four elements. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you realize that it's not even been but a decade, maybe 15 years, that half of the cabinet of the current president would be considered reprobate mind? We ignore that now. It's it's on. Or as they used to say in the neighborhood, it's on like Donkey Kong. And what then shall the righteous do? Well, we better just sit back and not say anything because we want people to come through the door and we can share Jesus with them then. Really? What Jesus are you sharing with them? Cause it ain't the one I know it ain't the one that calls people out and says you have to leave sin I so wish I could have seen what Jesus wrote in the dirt when they were going to stone the sinful prostitute remember that and he said you without sin cast the first stone and then he told her he said just go on and live your life and be free and don't mix religion and politics no he said go and sin no more right Back in Noah's day, the lack of moral standard sounds like our world where anything goes. God's standard for us is one of total holiness and clean living before him. We can't do that. We struggle with that, which is why we have grace, which is why we have understanding, which is why we understand freedom in Christ. And we put these things in a proper pendulum of serving Jesus, and we don't get all out of whack where you know, we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't go with those who do. I remember when they told me that in high school I sat there and went, well I guess we can't hang out then. You know? Or or you swing it all the way over here where it's like I got freedom in Christ, you know? It passed me the bong. You know, I mean it's it's you got to have that balance of knowing God calls you to a more holy living. He does. And if you're like, well that's not the Jesus I want, then you're not coming to the real Jesus. The real Jesus calls you to be separate and he starts a good work in you. And that work is a holy living. And what does holy living mean? Behavior modification? No. Holy living is when your heart breaks for the things that break Jesus' heart. When you want to be around other people that want to serve him and when you want to go and make disciples because that's all you got left. That's all you got left. Lord, just save two more of them. I got nothing else to give. I'll give you everything. That's what it is. And in Luke 17, 26 and 27, we see a lack of spiritual discernment. Men are blind to the truth of scriptures, the demands of a holy God, and approaching judgment in God. When we are coming that way, we know that because of what Jesus did for us, we don't face judgment. We escape it. He is our incredible shelter in the storm. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If your pathetic, sinful life being completely forgiven and you being presented in front of a holy God as if you're perfect and as you've never sinned, if that doesn't get you fired up, we don't serve the same king. Satan is responsible for a portion of the blindness, which is why we have grace for those who are blind. I don't pray for wisdom for Joe Biden why waste my breath? I pray that God would save the man from his certain destruction and then he might have his eyes opened. because if you don't see a demonic president you're not paying attention. The power comes from the blood. Ours comes from the blood of Jesus. When you worship Baal and Maalok it comes from the blood of innocence. What's the number one way they're getting power? By abortion. The dude signed in that you can abort a baby up to the birth. You said, me that's not evil? Well, Chris, you really shouldn't say that from the pulpit because you you might offend somebody and they might not come back to your church. Let's have coffee together. I'll explain my views a little deeper. I don't want to insult anybody, but to be honest with you, if you can't see that killing babies is evil, you haven't got a regenerate heart. I'm just telling you the truth. 2 Corinthians 4:4 4, 4. A lot of the unregenerate heart out there that I'm preaching against right now it's not their fault. We fight against flesh and blood. It's Satan. That's why we have grace for them. That's why we love them. That's why we don't condemn them. I'm not condemning anybody right now. I'm just telling you what's real. This is truth. This is hard truth, but it's truth. Look at 2 Corinthians 4:4. 4, 4. In their case, the god of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is responsible for a portion of this blindness. The Bible just told us so. Man's responsible as well. People are responsible as well. Joshua 24, 15. It says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord all right let's the same verse in the NIV i want you to see something here but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is the crux of the problem with American Christianity. With the visible church. Not with the lost, 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 but with the church themselves. Here it is. If serving the authentic Jesus Christ of the Bible, who says what he says and means what he says, if that seems undesirable to you because you've let false teaching enter your subconscious, where you think that speaking out against anything is wrong, where you think that we just got to love, 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 we got to accept everybody, then he's calling you to a deeper repentance. He's calling you to choose this day who you will serve. And for me, it's all because of point two. I'm, I'm just focused on point two in my life. Point two in your notes is an approaching storm. It's an approaching storm. Now, let's just say you don't have heat in your house. And you have uh, a little wood stove, but it can't fight anything past 30 degrees. Once it gets down to 30, your house just gets cold. And what if I told you, look, The next 10 days in kansas the high temp is going to be 21 degrees most of the day is going to be single digits why don't we prepare together to keep your house warm why don't i get you some extra wood why don't we try to seal up the windows why don't we do something to help you there is a coming cold blast coming or as i started the message with there's green out there people the skies are green the flood was coming in verse 7 of chapter 6 of genesis And men weren't ready for it. People weren't ready for it. Now, the great tribulation are on the horizon, a a possible rapture, and people are still unprepared to meet God. A little further on in chapter 24 of Matthew, it says in verse 44, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. What does that mean? That means he's coming at a time and an hour you don't expect him to come. Well, Jesus has been saying for 2,000 years he's returning. In the text you read, Chris, it said that generation won't pass away until all these things come to pass. That's not what it means. It means the generations that see the green sky, they're not going to pass away until all those things come to pass. And if the sky is green, then we would be that generation. Yes or no? All right. This world is headed towards a judgment it doesn't realize in the magnitude of the force, force of the storm it faces. Emily and I were in South Dakota. The sky is turning green and I'm just mesmerized. I'm thinking, this is so cool. Get the kids inside and they, they get shelter. And me, like a moron, I go stand out on the porch to see what's going to happen. And it got really calm. And the cows that were in the field you know, near the house where we lived, they took off. And I'm like, this is insane. And then the wind started to hit, and I almost got blown off my feet. I grabbed the post that was on the, on the uh, that held up the, the overhang on the porch, and like my feet were being blown up. The wind was, hit. and I seen the door over there, so I let go and launched towards the door, shut the door. And I'm telling you, if you ever want to picture Emily just going off, <laughs> and I didn't say a word i'm just like yeah that was kind of stupid wasn't it (laughs) and the storm hit and our roof didn't get blown off but the buildings next to us all of them got just shredded it was one of the worst storms of the century that just came by but you can't stand there and just look at the storm coming at you you have to take shelter and Jesus Christ freely offers us a shelter from that storm by residing in him. And then when we reside in him, what builds in us as we grow in our spirit and sanctification after we've been justified is a desire to what? Obey him. And what does he tell us to do? Make disciples. And how do we make disciples? By telling people about Jesus without shame, without ab- you know, with abandon. And we can still call things wrong we can still call things in an air and do it in a loving way, but our society now—the greener the skies get—is saying no, you can't. No, you can't. In the last seven days, Michael Brown, who's in Bible idiots, had his uh, one of his Twitter feeds suspended. Focus on the family. The Daily Citizen magazine had their Twitter account suspended permanently. What was their big crime? They pointed out that one of the cabinet members was born a biological male and identifies as a female not even allowed to say that you just gotta call her a female straight up now otherwise it's a crime censorship is upon us the world is headed towards judgment and it doesn't realize the force of the storm coming look people need to be warned that it's real the problem we have is that people have been sounding this alarm forever and forever and forever and if I took the Bible text and I lived in the forties I would be convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist and Jesus was coming any minute. And I'm here to tell you, before I go any further, I want you to know, Jesus Christ could tarry for another fifty to five hundred years, and every word of this scripture is true. That doesn't mean our tribulation's not coming. Doesn't mean that we're not going to face it. And look, if we're standing in front of Jesus in fifteen minutes, was our end not near? The end is near, my friends, and people won't heed. And and and. It's not so much about the lost that I, my heart breaks for. It's the Christians who are living defeated spiritual lives because they've been told to tamp it down because that's what our culture demands of us. Instead of saying no, with a smile on our face, with joy of the Lord, we're going to proudly proclaim that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And not only that, we're going to invite you to come join us. And if you don't want to come join us, that's fine. We're not going to force you we're going to live happy and we're going to live victorious and we're going for it but we love you we want you to be a part of us if you don't bye 2nd timothy 4 3 because many won't heed and turn 2nd timothy 4 3 says for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teachings but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Every day's a Friday. Your best life now. And if this is my best life, then... You know what I mean? We all have stuff. This is not our best life now. Our best life is in Christ. It starts now and gets finished on the day of redemption at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, For as for you, always be sober-minded, and during suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Look, people may not want to hear anymore, but they need to be told anyway. There's got to be a place out there where somebody will just tell the truth because they don't care. They're not going to worry about what people think or say about them. Y'all got that now this is what life house is going to be we're going to tell the truth and it may not always be comfortable but we're not going to get up here and just just beat it every sunday we're going to have love and grace and truth and what's the one thing we have to have to make this successful what's the gas in the motor of this vehicle it's prayer it's open-hearted prayer to the savior Now, I don't know what your ministry is. It could be to kids. It could be to feeding uh, people here at at LifeHouse. It could be to just being a greeter. Whatever it is, fulfill your ministry. Uh, If you're waiting for somebody to give you permission to put your foot on the floor and put the gas down and just rev that engine up and go for it in the name of the Lord, I'm giving it to you now. We at LifeHouse have set something up Where we have actually a plan for how everybody can get involved in whatever they feel called to get involved in. We usually start with either meeting with me or for sure meet with Troy. And we just do these little assessments and we just get on with it. We just get on with it. And I want you to get on with it. Why? Because the sky is getting more and more shades of green every day. And in that world, what is the one thing that I want you to hold on to from this message? If you take nothing away, take this. Point number three. We have an active Savior. Hold on to Him. We have an active Savior. In Genesis 6, 5 through 6, God was busy in Noah's day. He was observing and cataloging, and and He had all the activity of the condition of the world, and He sees everything that happens in the world and in the minds and hearts of man. God was active then. He's active now. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him who must give account. Look at that. Keep that on the screen. Look at the last line you're exposed and you must give account this is the number one reason I believe why evolution has deceived so many you think it's science I spent 15 years of my life studying evolution and creation and speaking about creation I can tell you evolution is a belief system you have to have more faith than you do to trust Jesus Christ there's more evidence on the side of trusting Jesus than evolution most of it is just made-up nonsense. Charles Darwin himself said, "If you don't find any uh, proof of intermediate change in the fossil record, throw my theory away." They still have not found anything, but you keep you hear them keep trying, right? The missing link, the missing link. There is no missing link. Ma- uh, magic elixir of millions and billions of years. It's, it's impossible for that to be. It's scientifically impossible, but they choose to believe something they know to be scientifically impossible, because the alternative is right there in Hebrews 4.13. They know there would have to be a creator, and then they might have to give account. Thank God we have Jesus, and we don't have to give account, because he gave account on our behalf. That's why it's the good news. That's why you get fired up. That's why you will do anything you can to even have your worst enemy find Jesus so they don't have to suffer the tribulation, the hell that's awaiting them. That's why we do what we do. Galatians 6-7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. God is working in Noah's world, and he's working in our world. And we must always remember, no matter how bad the world gets, God is always doing his work. I never thought I would live to see a day that the Capitol would be fenced in uh, by, uh, by tall fences with wire and military base to protect the Congress from the people. Never thought I'd see that. And if you don't think that they're now just poking us in the eye, one after another, just poking us in the chest asking us come on throw throw the first punch throw the first punch they want the people to rise up if you wanted to get people to rise up what would you do well how about you take office and sign 42 executive orders that hurt the people tremendously especially those that that have certain beliefs because the minute that we rise up then they have justification for domestic terrorists and they want to put us down hard right now they can't put us down real hard The one false flag event on January 6th doesn't cover it. But if we can get more, if they can do more, if we finally, then that's what they want. If you understand that some of these Satanists that are in Washington want the actual destruction of the Christian America that used to exist and they want the extermination, everything that they do makes sense. If you look at the scriptures and you see everything that Jesus has laid out for us, surrendering our lives to him, giving him everything that we're about, and being all about his word day after day after day after day, it all makes sense. And then Satan comes and distracts us. And we float away here, we float away there. And we get caught up in in things that are not really necessary. And then he brings us back. And how does he do that? Through your prayer life, through studying scriptures, and through coming to a worship service, particularly one where the truth is spoken. See, God is always on the job and he wants to help us live a more victorious life in Christ. And it's not a bummer train that we ride, it's a joyful thing. It's a joyful thing. When I see all this stuff happening, my joy bubbles up sometimes because I know that I'm in the King and no matter what happens, I'm going to be good. It's going to be good. It may not be what I want, it may not be nirvana here on earth, but it's good so sadness doesn't stay the frustration the anger boils up and then i turn to jesus and he turns that into joy because of him and his spirit psalm 121 three and four says behold he who keeps israel will neither slumber nor sleep he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber he's working on your behalf nothing is taking him by surprise and now's the time to trust him in deeper ways Now's the time to get our confidence that can't be shaken. Because of point four. An able spokesman. An able spokesman is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Noah was God's mouthpiece of the day. He preached the coming judgment for 120 years without a single convert. Yet he preached on. Now that's grace. I don't, know. I don't care how you slice it. God was planning judgment and he's still reaching out to sinners through Noah. Noah. Jesus says, as it was in Noah's day. Do you see it? As judgment is coming, he's still reaching out to sinners. And how's he doing that? Through the authentic believers he still has here on the earth. And not every church or everybody who claims Christ is an authentic believer. Us, as covenant partners together, need to be authentic believers to be the mouthpiece that God is calling sinners to himself as he plans judgment, as in the days of Noah. We're God's spokesman in this day. Our duty before the Lord is to be certain that we do what God's calling us to do, no matter how small, no matter how big, and joyfully just be faithful together. Noah, he's in the ark. Think about him. He could rest with assurance that he had done what God had commanded him to do. The heart of the Christian can gain rest by fulfilling the command of God in your life. For me, it's no question. It's been confirmed a thousand times. My mission is to come and be the pastor of Lifehouse Church and to share the truth with you and as best I can. And if it's too rough some Sundays, sorry. If it's too weak some Sundays, sorry. I'm just doing the best I can. But if I'm focused on Jesus throughout the week, you're going to get what he tells me. What's your job? That's between you and God. And now... I didn't even set it up. God just started setting up LifeHouse to be a place where we're creating an environment for you to come and thrive in ministry, whether it's helping missions, whether it's going on the mission field, whether it's doing whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Look, part of me coming here was I could just let Bible idiots go, but God has laid it on my heart a lot to ring that bell one more time. And I'm like, God, we've done so much. We have a six weeks program with the Bible idiots coming out that has been sitting on the shelf for two and a half years. Never was published. Can't we just let that go? I mean, enough already. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. You ring that bell one more time. You leave the results up to me. And so I am. I'm just going to preach on Sunday. I'm going to meet with you, coffee with Chris. I'm going to do some writing. We're going to do some some filming, and we're just going to leave the results up to God. But we're always going to, together, as covenant partners, and if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you come to this church regularly, see me about becoming a covenant partner. Because we're going to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it authentically in love. And we're going to leave the results up to Jesus. We will not keep a scorecard. We just got done with some of the, uh, how many baptisms did you have, and how many births and stuff like that. That's fine. That's the extent of it for the BIC. After that, we don't keep a scorecard. The results are Jesus's. They're, they're the kings. They're not mine. These are the last days. We're leaving the results up to him. Look around. Do you think we're there? I mean, I'm glad we're not going to face the judgment. We're not going to face hell. We're not going to face the great tribulation. God has set us apart. We're, we're not for his wrath. But there's a lost world all around us that needs to be told about the salvation of Jesus Christ. And I ask you today, in light of the fact that these are the last days, they are for us. As Americans, it pretty pretty much looks like the writing's on the wall. I mean, let me as a historical scholar wannabe tell you that everything that they've been doing for the last year and that they plan to do is to eliminate Christianity from the game. So as they do, how then should we act? I mean, it's not going to be found in any political leader. It's going to be found in the power of Jesus Christ in the midst of what we are. And so, in light of those facts, are you doing what the Master has commanded you to do? So I would encourage you to seek Him and seek Him with everything that you have personally, privately. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning into our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661, Abilene, Kansas 67410, or go online at lifehouse church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.